This is the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. Today's podcast I've titled The Cup of Redemption. We're going to be talking about communion, and I'm going to kind of set aside the body of Christ because I want to focus on the cup of Jesus' blood at the new covenant that he's given us. So let's go back a little bit. Uh, Though the ancient Passover of Israel, recorded in Exodus, didn't really specify any cups in that ceremony. The whole of the Old Testament does talk about cups, and these cups in the Old Testament are really just a way of saying a portion. Just a, a brief review of the cups mentioned in the Old Testament. You look at it, and a lot of them, if not a a full majority of them, are talking about God's wrath, the cup of God's wrath or indignation. And so that's a study in itself. But by the time of Jesus, the Jewish custom had about four cups at the Passover celebration. These traditional cups for the Passover celebration remain up to this day. There's uh, the cup of sanctification, the first cup. The second cup is the cup of plagues. Remember that uh, God punished the country of Egypt with ten plagues, really destroying the country. The third cup is the cup of redemption. They were redeemed out of the hand of the Egyptians, which is uh, a good understanding there is that's that's really Satan and slavery for us. And then the fourth cup is the cup of praise. So we have sanctification, the cup of plagues, the cup of the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. In the New Testament, Jesus incorporates at least two cups into the Passover celebration. In Luke 22, Jesus takes the first cup before the meal, as soon as everything's set up, you know, he tells them to go out, set up in the upper room, they set everything up, and the first thing that's said is in verse 17 and 18, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In my estimation, this is the cup of sanctification. It lines up nicely because Jesus was trying to sanctify, and that simply means to set apart that time for that Passover celebration. Jesus was setting apart that specific time. The second time that the Bible records that the cup is being raised is in verse 20, and it says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Some people believe that this was the third cup in the Passover celebration, the cup of redemption. And that makes a lot of sense, because Jesus is now proclaiming a new covenant in his blood, and it's a covenant of redemption. He's buying us back. So let's fast forward to 1 Corinthians 11 and talk about what Jesus revealed to Paul about this cup. Now, these verses also talk about the bread, the body of Christ, which is very important. But again, I'm focusing on the cup. 1 Corinthians 11, starting uh, in verse 25, and I'll read 26 also. In the same way, after supper, 
He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now we know that Paul grew up in the Jewish traditions and the ceremonies. And he mentions a cup here uh, that Jesus spoke to him about. It's a revelation. And so Paul understood that there was cups, uh, the cup of sanctification, the cup of, cup of plagues, the cup of redemption, and the cup of praise. So the life of Christ has been given over to death for payment for our sins. That is the cup of redemption in his blood. We've been bought back from that legal right that Satan had over us because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden by disobeying God. And also, we have disobeyed God by choosing to not obey his commandments at some part in our life. You know, rejecting God's word is really rejecting him. But Jesus has bought us back with this cup of redemption, a new covenant between us and God the Father through Jesus Christ and his blood sacrifice. But there's more. Hebrews 13, 20, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus, he took our sins. The Bible actually says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus himself became sin when he knew no sin for us. And so even through his blood sacrifice, Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus became sin for us and was openly rejected by the Father because of that sin. He was crucified and gave his blood a sacrifice of his perfect life to cover and remove our sins. Remember that our sins have actually been forgotten, not just covered, but forgotten. In the Old Testament, the animal sacrifices only covered their sins, atoned for for a time. And that's why they had to sacrifice again and again, year after year, time after time. But through Jesus' sacrifice, our sins are forgiven and they're removed as far as the East is from the West. By this cup of redemption, God raised Jesus from the dead and he raises us from the dead also. Now, We have to take God at his word. It's by grace we have been saved through faith. Remember, faith is hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us and believing it so much so that we pattern our life after the word of God. One more part to this theological puzzle uh, that I am developing here. We are to drink the blood of Christ. And I know that sounds crazy. Uh, And for uh, mature Christians, I'm sure you've heard this before and you understand it, but the first time that the disciples and those who were following Jesus, they were blown away by this. Let me read John 6, 53 through 56. It says, Jesus said to them, very truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. So, you can understand that here you are, this man, uh, especially in this time, this Jewish culture that they were in, there was no way that you were going to eat a person or drink his blood. In fact, it was uh, wrong by God's command throughout the Old Testament not to eat or to drink blood. So many people left at that time. In fact, quite a few people left him and didn't want to return to him because he sounded uh, very odd. You know, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What does that mean? But to understand, we have to continue reading in John chapter 6. I'll read uh, verses 61 through 63 this time. It says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of of spirit and life. We are to take Jesus, his words, his teaching, so much so that we would become like him. When he told the people this, um, he wasn't saying, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood specifically. He was saying, take my words and take my life and, and take everything that there is about me and consume it become like me. In the Jewish culture at that time, and and even today, I I got on the internet and I found out there's people believe exactly the same today, that when you eat with other people, you become like them. It's a unifying factor. So in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, remember Peter, uh, he didn't want to eat anything that was unclean, and he didn't want to eat with Gentiles. And there's a couple of places in the Bible where this was a problem. So that they didn't want to unite themselves with unbelievers, with the Gentiles. And here, Jesus is saying that you need to eat me, consume me, receive from me my words, my teaching, my character, everything there is about me, so much so that you become like me. You know, when we eat food, that gets placed on our flesh— And whatever we eat, that's what we become, at least physically. And so this is what Jesus was talking about here. Very important that we understand we are to take Jesus, his words, his character, his life, the blood, his life, completely with a great gusto, with a dedication. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. The cup of redemption Uh, Let's run back to 1 Corinthians 11. Now that we've learned about this cup of redemption, this blood sacrifice that Jesus has uh, given us, we understand that it is precious. A great price has been paid for us. Actually, it's an eternal price, one that has no greater worth. Because of this, there are some precautions before we take the cup of of redemption in what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 31. 
So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are sick and weak, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we are more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. When we come to take the cup of redemption, representing the blood of Christ, the life of Christ, it is imperative that we examine our heart, we look at our actions, and if we need to repent of our sins, surely we should do it. God has given us the promise of forgiveness through this covenant. Uh, 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we recognize that if we have sin in our life and we speak it out to the Lord, we repent, say, Lord, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I did this. Then we're cleansed. We're forgiven. And that doesn't always mean that the consequences of that sin is not going to catch up with us, but it does mean that we're forgiven and God puts us on a new place where we can start afresh. So this is a tremendous gift that God has given us. We need to examine our hearts before receiving the gift that God has given us in this new covenant. So let me summarize a little bit. I've gone over uh, four or five things here, and I want to summarize so everybody understands the third cup in the Jewish Passover celebration that Jesus celebrated before his crucifixion, death, and resurrection is the cup of redemption. And that fits nicely because that's exactly what Jesus did. He redeemed us. He bought us back from the slavery of sin. Through this cup of redemption, Jesus has given us a new covenant. This is an agreement. If we do what he says— then he will do what he has promised us. So we have a new covenant. That's the New Testament that we have. Tremendous covenant. Grace by faith. We're saved and we have eternal life. Even now, God places eternal life inside of us by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Sure, we're going to shed the body, but our spirit lives now and forever. The cup of blood is to be received. I don't know how to say it, but we are to drink this cup completely, often, uh, with uh, an energy and a thankfulness before the Lord. We're supposed to be sincere in drinking this cup, taking on the character of Jesus, taking on his faith, taking on everything about him. Drink the cup of life. The cup was very expensive. God becomes a man, something that we don't completely understand, but Jesus is God in the flesh. He becomes a man, and it should be handled with purity and truth, avoiding God's judgment and God's discipline. Therefore, we have to look at our lives, examine our lives, before we take the cup of redemption. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. 
If you have questions or comments, feel free to visit me at thecleansoul.org.